Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday afternoon with an episode heavily requested by many of you. And we're going to title it uh, Books I Recommend or Top Reads for 2020, something like that. Because uh, a lot of you have asked, hey, Jeremy, what books would you recommend for finance? What books do you recommend for personal development? What books do you recommend for nutrition? So I'm going to share with you at least the ones that have had the biggest impact on me or the ones that are at least in the forefront of my mind right now. And obviously, I can't share every book uh, that I've read and listened to over the past 10 years, but I'll give you guys a pretty good list. And I, I did a version of this a long time ago, which is somewhere on the blog. And my goal is to put these onto the blog as well here, probably in the next two weeks or so. I just I have a lot of real... I say, quote unquote, real work uh, to do, but I will get to this. But if you hear me say something and you didn't catch it all, just stop the podcast and scrub back, you know, 15 to 30 seconds and write down the title. And if you do got a question, hit me up. I'm happy to, to answer and point you guys in the right uh, direction. And I'll try to say the titles uh, and the authors and, and not butcher the names, but I read like a, a three-year-old um, as best I can. With that said, I'm going to try to do this podcast a little bit quicker because I still have a terrible leg workout I have to uh, hop into. And it's just, it's one of those weeks where I've worked a ton of hours and uh, I'm just tired and I don't really want to do lunges and split squats and push a sled and hop on the assault bike. And that's what I have uh, to look forward to in about 30, 40 minutes from right now. And uh, on a side note, I am actually going out to dinner tonight with uh, a client of ours here. Uh, and my wife and his partner, we're all going to get together to, he's taking us to one of his favorite places, which I've never been because it's a little bit fancier. And if you guys know me, I'm not a huge, I'm not a real, not a real fancy person. I'm a pretty basic dude. Uh, but he was actually my first personal training client here over 10 years ago. Now I worked with people before that, before I moved here, but he was my first personal training client when I basically decided to go out on my own and not when I was in this facility here. Not when I was in our old warehouse for seven and a half years before that. He was the first guy I worked with in an independent facility. Because when I started out, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resources. I didn't know anything. So what I did was I wrote a letter and I sent emails of the emails I could find to every like boutique mom and pop gym in a probably a, a 10 mile radius from my house. And said, hey, I'm a young kid. My name is Jeremy. I'm starting out. I want to get into fitness. I want to train people. Here's my certifications. Here's everything I have. Here's what I've done in the past. But I don't have anywhere to go. Can I come training your facility? Maybe like we do a profit sharing split. Maybe I give you part of the money for each person I train. And long story short, this place, Peak Performance, which I believe Dan still is at peak right now, Peak Performance said, yeah, Jeremy, come on in and we'll do that. And I only had, well, shit, one client. And that one client was Raul. And Raul is the guy that is taking us out to dinner tonight. And oddly enough, he was also our realtor who sold us our house about seven years ago. So needless to say, he has seen uh, the progression of me uh, over the past decade plus, and I've seen that of him. And we are obviously in two, you know, completely different uh, stages of life. And uh, we've become good friends with them and they become friends with us. And it's, it's a super neat thing to see that. And that's, I share that because it's about the relationships um, that you cultivate with people. You can go anywhere for training. You can go anywhere for nutrition advice. And I'm not saying, you know, my training style is the same as the guy right next door and the guy behind me here and the girl on the street. But if they're doing it correctly, there's a lot of similarities. Does that make sense? Like, even though if my style of training is different than, let's say, somebody on the internet, if they're doing it correctly, you can get results both ways. So there's multiple options and we know that. But people are choosing to stay with us because it's deeper than that. It's not just about sets and reps. And I hope you guys understand that when you pick a coach, when you pick a community and the people that you work with, it goes a lot deeper than that. And I feel it that way. And I like becoming friends with the people who are here. I like doing nice things for them. I like them feeling comfortable. So not only can they obviously get the best results possible, but they come to a place where they feel like they're not judged and they can tell us things and we can share things and we can all kind of grow together. That's what I try to do with this business and this life. And Raul is a, you know, he is the epitome of that, even though him and I, I have to share this because he's going to listen to this. Uh, as, as humans, we are completely different. We both come from nothing and no money and backgrounds. Um, grinded our faces off. He runs uh, you know, a much bigger uh, agency than, than I do for sure. And uh, he's much fancier than me. I'll say that. You know, He rocks a Mercedes. I drive my 08 Accord. 
Um, I'm a t-shirt and jeans guy. He's probably going to wear a $5,000 jean jacket out to dinner tonight. Uh, but it works because, you know, humble beginnings. And even though he likes the nicer things in life, and if you can afford it, you know, respect, um, it works. And we become very good friends over time. And I'm very appreciative of him um, and what he's done for us uh, and my family over the years. So that is what I'm doing tonight. And I share that just so you guys understand. Um, it's about people. It really is. I wouldn't do this podcast if I didn't get the feedback from you guys. I wouldn't have an in-person business. I could go on the internet and just do it, make my money there all day. But the people here matter. The community matters. The relationships matter. And I get something out of it much more than just, you know, hey, here's a check for because we can train a lot of people. No, um, it, it cuts a lot deeper than that. And tonight is just another example of that. You know, it's, I don't look at it as like, oh, I'm going out to dinner with some clients. No, it's like we're just going out to dinner with some friends who happen to be the first person that I worked with here a decade ago and happen to be the same guy who sold us our house. And they, he just wants to celebrate us for paying it off, which I thought was a, a super nice gesture and pretty cool. So that's on my docket tonight. But enough of my personal uh, ramblings here. We're going to get into the books that I would suggest for you guys to read uh, and the ones that have had the biggest impact on me and my life over the past decade. Now, before I drop the first title, I need to say this. I consume about 100 books per year. And people are listening going, holy shit, Jeremy, that's a ton of books. And it is. But I don't read most of them. I read probably two to three books a year at the most. Now, I will say this, I do read a ton of content, a lot of articles, a lot of snippets, a lot of blogs, there's a lot of people I subscribe to of certain things, and some days I'll read nothing, and some days I'll read for an hour, it just depends on my schedule, but Audible um, has become my best friend, for sure, over the past probably six years now, and I'll do a lot of podcasts too, and I'll share my podcast list later with you guys uh, on a different episode, my podcasts tend to be pretty uh, vanilla and bland. I don't I don't like a lot of the rah-rah shit and I don't need to be motivated. That's just not who I am. I like more tactical stuff personally and uh, things on philosophy on just about life, but there's only so much that you can consume, right? But I digress. The reason I consume about 100 books a year is, and I've talked about this car a lot um, over the past, you know, probably a couple years, but as you guys know, I drive a 2008 Honda Accord it's got 144,000 miles on it now. I'm, you know, going to ride that bad boy and, you know, as long as I can. But probably 5 or 6 years ago, the battery died, which in Arizona, if you guys are here, your batteries die probably like once a year or like every other year because when it's 117, it just fries the shit out of them. And so my battery died. And so I take it in to like either Whitey's or Jiffy Lube or somewhere just to replace the battery for me. And once I swap out the battery, I don't have the code anymore for my radio or my CD player. Cause I, again, I drive an 08, you guys, I do not have a backup camera. Um, I've never had a backup camera in my car, by the way, and I'm 36 years old, which is, uh, pretty soon gonna be embarrassing to say, but it's not like I'm not playing. Like there's no Bluetooth in here. There's no like MP3, anything. There's no, I'm going to do Apple sync. It's, it's a CD player and a radio, but I lost the code many, many years ago. So in my car, when I get in there, there is no noise. There's nothing. There's no option for sound whatsoever. And some days, immediately I'll drive to work and I won't have anything on. I just, that's kind of like my, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of like just mandatory mindfulness where it's quiet and I can just kind of, you know, relax, let my central nervous system chill before I get into here and, and rip it. But for all the other times I'm driving, especially home or when I'm running errands or if I do get stuck in traffic, I listen to audiobooks. And I got in the habit of doing that. Now when I'm at the grocery store, if I go to the post office, if I'm walking, I'm always listening to an audiobook. And that's how it came about. And so I have to thank my car uh, radio dying and not having the code for me to be able to listen to uh, this many books per year. And it really has changed my life in terms of the amount of knowledge I've been able to consume and acquire and understand and how I think and how I talk and how I speak. A lot of that has attributed to me just taking in so much information over the past six years. Before that, I'm not saying I didn't read books, but nowhere near the level it is today. And uh, I just, I literally, I buy about 10 at a time. And sometimes I'll finish a whole one before I start the next one. But sometimes I'll do two or three simultaneously, depending on what type of mood I'm in. I think of it as like kind of Netflix, like you might watch one show at a time, but some of you guys probably watch two or three shows, depending on what type of mood you're in. And I'll do the same thing with audiobooks. And so that is why um, I rip off about 100 per year. So 
With that said, the first book on my list, um, The Go-Getter uh, by Peter Kine. I think it's Peter Kine. Uh, I actually read The Go-Getter um, cover to cover. Like I read it. I didn't just listen to it. But I've also listened to it on Audible. It's a great listen. Long story short, The Go-Getter is just a, a motivational tale of if you want to get shit done, um, you got to be willing to put in the work over time. And it's it's a classic. It's, it's super old. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe that book's probably been around for like 50 years, maybe even more. And uh, I've listened to it more than once. It's just a, a really good example of like resolve. And if you want to get something done, just go do it. So The Go-Getter is one of my favorite books of all time. The next one, uh, The Undefeated Mind, Alex uh, Lickerman. The Undefeated Mind is cool if you're into kind of personal development and free thinking. He goes into, they'll talk on some religion stuff. I'm not going to sit here and preach to you guys of, of what you should believe because I believe, you know, whatever makes you happy and whatever you believe in is, you know, your truth. But he talks a lot about um, just having an open mind in terms of that. And uh, it, it's either psychiatry or psychology patients um, speaking from that perspective, and they'll dig into like Nietzsche and Buddhism, just kind of like how that goes about, like how he changed religions from like what he grew up with as a kid to what he believes now. And on that same, I do think that is a thing where, you know, sometimes we grow up a certain way and we don't question things. We just take them as they are because our mom did it and our dad did it and our grandpa did it. And there's nothing wrong with that, having the tradition and the legacy. But there's also something to be said about being a free thinker. And when I look at my own, you know, beliefs of, you know, religion and the world and, and source energy and the universe and fucking unicorn tears and all the things we believe in, I do think there's a lot of good things like that the Nietzsche and Buddhism practice applies to real life. And to me, the easy example I give it, it's just about being a good person. But it does talk about mindset quite a bit in there. So The Undefeated Mind by Alex Lickerman is a great read. Next one, uh, One Minute Mindfulness by Donald Altman. Uh, it's, a, it's a good book, quick read. If you're a person who gets too busy working in their life, they don't get to work on their life, I would suggest this for you. It's, it's just these little practices that you can do every single day to be mindful. And when I say mindful, it's like you ever know people, they're somewhere, but they're not really there. Like, I'll get an example. Like, when I was in school, like, I'd be sitting in math class, but I wasn't really in math class, right? Like, I'm sitting there, like, my body is there, but my brain is nowhere near there. And the teacher can be looking right at me saying some shit, and I can be looking right at her, and I didn't hear a single word she said. Because I'm thinking about Tupac lyrics and, you know, Michael Jordan fadeaways or whatever is on my brain, or probably girls at the time. And so I'm in class and I'm sitting there, but I'm not really there. My mind is somewhere else. That mindfulness is like when you're actually like, you know, eating an orange, you're actually eating an orange, like you smell it, the texture, the taste, you take a bite of it, you really just, you take it all in for just being in that moment. You're not thinking about work or your kids or some other shit. You're just thinking about eating that orange in the moment or like when you're having sex, you're just having sex. You're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about, you know, what do you have to do tomorrow? You're just thinking about the feeling in the moment and being mindful of every touch and every feeling you're having. Does that make sense? Like, it's a book of those little practices to be to take a minute to just be mindful every single day. Those can be gratitude things. They can be perspective things. They can be stimulus things. Um, it's a great read. I also do read a lot of, uh, on that note, therapy books here and books on how to talk to and understand people and how to help them, how to empathize with them, such as like the Mindfulness Toolbox, which is like this 50 you know tips and tools, handouts for anxiety, depression, stress, and pain which is also written by Donald Altman. I do read a lot of that stuff. Those are the books I actually do have here. Like if you ever come visit me and say, hey, Jeremy, what books are you talking about? They're in my desk right here. I'll pop them out and I just roll through them. And how I, I need to say this before I keep going. How I make decisions on what books I'll read are basically two choices. One, what is going to help the people I work with the most what am I going to read in here that I can give back to them or speak to them or talk about a problem, a scenario or dilemma that's going to help me either understand them better, listen to them better, or give them some advice that they can take and make their life a little bit, you know, healthy, happier, or a little bit easier. And the second thing is, you know, what person is going to make my life better? And those are almost one and the same. Sometimes they're not, but I believe it's, I am so much like all of you. I'm a normal fucking dude. I cannot say that enough. There's things that I do that are 
probably weird and strange and unlike many of you guys. But at our core, I think so many of us spend so much time trying to be unique. We're all the same. Like we all have the same humanistic needs. We really do. If you're cold, you want to be warm. If you're warm, you want to be cool. You know, if you're hungry, you need to eat. If you're thirsty, you have to drink. If you're horny, you have to have sex. Like we all have these, you know, basic animalistic needs and yeah we might have different careers and we might like different types of music and things but we all like music we all have careers you know what i'm saying like we're all we're all so similar and i'm just like you but when i do something to help myself i think in some weird way it would help most of you as well since we all are so similar so if i read a book on personal finance to help me I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm going to share with you what I did for myself. And if you want to do something similar, you could model the behavior that I used. I hope you're following me so long. So I do read a ton of books like that, which most of you probably wouldn't be into that. But I do have to say that is a huge part of my career and my personal development. In terms of if you are a business owner or you want to start a small business or you're thinking about it, or you work in a small business, or you work in any company and organization, you want to understand it better. Uh, the E-Myth uh, by Michael Gerber, or the E-Myth Revisited, he has a whole you know, kind of E-Myth series, but uh, the E-Myth is just about being an entrepreneur. And uh, he goes into detail about if you're in a small business, such as myself, if you're you know, the owner, if you're the manager or if you're the technician and they break down those roles inside of multiple businesses and they explain it to you. And that's, I listened to that probably 10 years ago, probably maybe uh, probably the second year I was in business, give or take. And uh, it changed the scope of how I thought about things. And now I'll always be the owner uh, here as long as it's, you know, my name on the door. And I'm also, you know, the manager uh, a lot of times. And a lot of times I'm also the technician. And I, I know how to separate those roles. We have other people here where Monica can manage and Jacob can be the technician and so can other people. We can shift roles and things. But if you're going to start a business and you want to, I think The E-Myth by Michael Gerber is an amazing book. And I think all of you should read it. Even if you think you know everything, there's going to be a lot of great takeaways in there that will help you, I guess, kind of unblur the lines of, of what you do in your job. And obviously, if you start a small business, you're everything up front. You're, you know, I, I was never the CPA, um, but and or the financial planner. But short of those two things, like I was the janitor. You know, I was every other role inside of that. Yeah, I was the bookkeeper, even though I never filed the taxes. I kept course of everything. So it is a great book. The other one, I think, if you're a business owner or you want to start a small business or you're a hustler, uh, the Reluctant Entrepreneur by Michael Matterson. The Reluctant Entrepreneur by Michael Matterson is just a smarter way to start your own business or the smarter way to start a side hustle or a passion project. And I don't know if there's anything earth shattering in there. The funny thing is a lot of these books, some of the things I, I didn't do, but a lot of them I already did naturally. And when you say reluctant entrepreneur, it's the person who does it the right way. Like you just don't like, you're not a person who's making $150,000 a year and you got three kids and you come home Friday and you tell your wife you're quitting your job and you're going to go, you know, start a snow cone stand. Like that's not a reluctant entrepreneur. That's a dumbass entrepreneur. You don't want to be that. I'm not saying I was that, but again, I'll give you context. I feel I was, even though I'll say this. When I started this business, I had no business training. I had no skills. I had no money. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I honestly didn't have a current active client at the time. So that would fall under the dumbass entrepreneur uh, category. And that's exactly what I did. On the same sentence, my wife had a job uh, making about $2 so we could survive on the $2 and we ran the numbers and we knew that. We lived in my one bedroom, sick condo, which I still think is amazing to this day, which I got a smoking deal on because I bought it when the economy completely collapsed. So I got it for pennies on the dollars so the cheapest rent we could ever pay. Um, I had a paid off old used car. My wife had a, a paid off old used car and I was 25 years old. What did I have to lose, right? I could always go back and get another shitty corporate job and I'd be just fine. And at the time, I think I had total of, I think we had $5,000 total to our name. So I had $5,000 to burn through. So uh, I didn't, again, when you don't have a lot to lose, I, I do feel like that's like the reluctant entrepreneur route. 
But if you guys are in a different boat, I think you should read this book before you think about quitting your job if you do have a bigger mortgage or car payments or responsibilities with kids and family. Um, but again, The E-Myth Revisited and Reluctant Entrepreneur are both great books if you're looking to be an entrepreneur or you know, somebody who wants to do something outside of just the you know corporate structure. Next one, Extreme Ownership by Jacko and Leif. Uh, great book. Uh, they tell a lot of stories both their military days and basically just, you know, as the title says, taking extreme ownership for everything that goes wrong in your life and your business. I got a lot out of this. I did it probably 90%. And when I listened to that book, I just went 100% all in and said, anything that's wrong here is my fault. Anything that anybody does here, it's my fault and it's my responsibility and I have to clean it up. And you just, you learn to not make excuses and you learn to just not have a shitty attitude and understand that everything in your life is up to you. You know, and obviously bad things are going to happen to you. I, I can't, that's the universe. I can't equate for that. But everything else, if you take extreme ownership and accountability for your efforts and your actions, things get pretty good really fast because you have nobody else to fucking blame but yourself. And then you figure it out. And that's when stuff gets really amazing. Next one, Rhinoceros Success by Scott Alexander. This is another book I read actually cover to cover. Uh, it's a great book. It's like a they have a lot of pictures in it too. It's like a little kid's book. Uh, I'm good with books that would fit like a sixth grader because I feel like that's about my my reading. I don't want to say reading level because that's not right, but my reading interest is about like the sixth grade level books. Like Everybody Poops, also a great book if you guys have never read it. And uh, Rhinoceros Success by Scott Alexander is a great book. Just talks about being a rhinoceros. And the rhinoceros is like a metaphor for a person who is motivated and wants to go get stuff done. It just talks about... Kind of like the swagger you'd have if you were like a, a badass rhino, right? Like if you think like whatever your favorite animal is, like a bear or an alligator or a rhinoceros, for example, it talks about living your life that way, not living your life like a sheep, actually going out and getting the things you want, having thick skin, um, you know, having a short memory when it comes to bad things in your life. It, it really is, it's all stuff you know, but it's done in a really tasteful, fun way. So check that one out. Next one, Think Like a Freak. Uh, Stephen Levitt, and I think somebody else put that out too, but Think Like a Freak, they also have a podcast. Think Like a Freak is is a good book about thinking about things differently and how sometimes like the world and the media pulls the wool over your eyes and makes you believe certain things, kind of like what's going on now with the world and the news of you know freaking people out and, and all the stuff that they're sharing with the things that are going on. But the Think Like a Freak book, the one thing I remember is they have you think about like fat loss and weight loss differently. And the example I remember in the book specifically, and I'll never forget this, they're talking about like gastric bypass or like the lap band surgeries where they actually, you know, cut your body open, you know, put the lap band down or they shrink your stomach down. They make it, you know, super small. So, you know, by forces you by nature, you can't eat so much because the stomach volume fills up and you'll lose weight over time, which is a pretty invasive thing to cut your body open and then plant something inside your body. When you think about it, that's pretty drastic, right? Well, the example he gives in the book is, he goes, what if instead of doing gastric bypass, we had you puke in a jar and wear that jar around your neck? And every time you were hungry, you unscrewed the jar and you gave it a real strong whiff. Do you think that would deter you from eating? Well, shit, yeah. Well, that's pretty disgusting. And people are like, oh my God, that's so drastic. That's so crazy. Is that crazier than you cutting open your body? And implanting something in there and doing a major life-changing surgery, I would argue puking in a jar is way less invasive, way less dangerous, and way easier to come back from. Do you agree? The other example he gave in the book was, if you're not down with the puke jar scenario, what if instead of doing like lap band or gastric bypass or something to kind of cure or curb this, you know, eating stuff, what if you just gave your lips like 20 paper cuts in the top and bottom. And every time you were hungry and you wanted to put food in your mouth, it would be so painful for you to eat, you would stop. And people go, that's crazy and insane. Again, I would argue having small paper cuts on your lips is far less invasive than like this lap band or gastric bypass surgery. So again, it's just, it's giving you different ways to think about problems and, and how to go about them. And albeit like, I know that both those things sound crazy, but when you really step back from it, are those things not less drastic than these major surgeries? I would argue they are. So there's a lot of things in the book where it makes you think about things differently and maybe see things in a different light. So think like a freak, good read. 
Next one's uh, just fitness stuff. And a lot of you guys have asked about like fitness books and those things. Honestly, I've went through a ton over the years. A lot of them are technical books, like the things we have to read here for, you know, certifications and continuing education credits. I do, you know, trade stuff with a lot of my friends and colleagues in the space. So that's where I get a lot of my information from. If I don't know something, I'll reach out to like Mike or BJ or, you know, whoever it is. And I'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And we'll go back and forth or our doctor friends as well. But uh, it starts with food. Uh, Melissa and Dallas Hartwig is a good book. It's kind of like a take on the whole 30 uh, basically, and so they kind of talk about just eating real food and their experiences with it. I don't believe um, there's 100% truths in, in any, you know, specific book. There's a lot of gray area for people, and nutrition is the hardest thing, right, because everybody is so different. What works, so a guy that asked me yesterday, hey, Jeremy, what do you do for your, what are your calories, and what are your macros? I'm like, I don't know. I don't track them anymore. I tracked them for years and years and years, but I don't anymore. I go by how I feel, number one, and how I look. And, and how, what my schedule is like. So some days I eat once a day, some some days I eat twice a day. And if I feel good and I think I don't look like a complete turd, um, I'm okay with it. But the biggest thing is just how I feel. So I don't track the macros, but I don't need to either. I have a pretty good estimate of what they are, but they can fluctuate. And that works for me. I wouldn't recommend that for everybody else. I also eat in about a four-hour window most days. So I eat from like, let's say, you know, three or four o'clock until like, eight or nine o'clock and that's probably it and some days if I eat one meal I eat in like a one hour window so again I'm not recommending that to you guys listening but that works for me but the it starts with food does give a lot of basic information uh, to you guys in terms of food and how to eat it and what they did and their experiences are and then obviously you you know you beg borrow and steal in nutrition right like you don't have to you wouldn't take my diet and make it your diet just like I wouldn't take my wife's diet and make it my diet but there's things that she does that are beneficial that I should do like my wife naturally would eat way more vegetables than me so I gravitate towards her and try to eat vegetables like she does Um, I you know I'm probably bigger into you know protein than she is and so she'll be like gravitate towards you know eating you know more cuts of fish and those things like than I would and so we 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 steal from each other, if you will. And I think these are what these books are for. The next one, uh, Supple Leopard by Kelly Sturette. If you're looking for injury prevention or athletic performance, Kelly is a genius. He is the best in terms of mobility on the planet. I don't even think that's arguable. And uh, Supple Leopard is a good book if you're looking to get into that. The other one, the first probably book book I read, uh, Encyclopedia Bodybuilding by Arnold. And that's probably my first like legit lifting book other than like men's health and muscle and fitness and those things. But uh, Encyclopedia Bodybuilding is old school, like how to just pick up and put down weight and and how to do it in a very bodybuilding format. Obviously, we've come a long way since then, but uh, definitely a good read if you don't know anything. And some of the stuff, you know, at this stage of life, I I probably wouldn't do and don't agree with everything. But there is a lot of really good truths in there. And just, uh, it's a good read for sure to learn uh, the basic, you know, foundational movements, especially if you're into bodybuilding and building up your physique. Uh, The other ones just off the top, like warrior diet, I went through years ago, lean gains, uh, even for a body by Tim Ferriss, put that out again. Just different ways that people go about eating and training that some of you guys might, you know, take some things from and uh, throw those out there. Next one, Minimalism uh, by Josh and Ryan. Uh, And they have a podcast too called The Minimalist. They're like the two probably most famous minimalists there are on the planet. Uh, Minimalism is a good book if you're trying to have less shit in your life, literally, like less material stuff for sure. And they're not about just giving up everything. It's not like you can't have an iPhone and you can't have a car and all this crazy stuff, but it just kind of talks about living with less and not being so wrapped up in the material things that we have in the world. And I think if you look around your house, you probably have way more stuff than you need in terms of clothes and shoes and you have junk drawers like filled with pens and chargers and markers and all kinds of other shit we just we collect over time and it kind of talks about decluttering your life to just be more clear like more free and just a little bit happier next book the obstacle is the way ryan holiday this is a great book as well a lot of stories in here um, but overcoming and and persevering And, and literally as the title says it just keeps reiterating the obstacle is the way um, I think we 
as a culture now specifically get really hung up on the end goal and the end result, you know, like, oh, we want this house, we want this car, we want this salary, we want this body, and that's great, and we don't necessarily always want to do the work that's involved to get there, but the obstacle is the way, and without that adversity, without that roadblock, without that shit you had to wade through to get there, it wouldn't really feel like you earned it when you got to the end, and sometimes it's that adversity, that struggle that creates the thing you want. Like when you're in the gym and you're struggling through split squats and your legs are burning and it's just this miserable, horrible feeling and you can't breathe and you're sweating and it's uncomfortable, that's what makes those legs grow. That's what develops the glute and the hamstring and the quads so your butt and legs look and move and feel the way that you want them to. The obstacle is the pain, is the agony, is the lack of oxygen, but that is the way to get what you want. I do resonate with things like that because when you train the physical body, you learn a lot of things about yourself in life. A, you know, how deep is your pain cave? You know, how far into the ocean of pain are you willing to swim before you have to get back to shore? But that's how we do everything in life. How you become great at anything is pretty much how you become great at everything. It's putting in the consistent effort, energy, and work over time and willing to endure and sacrifice certain things to get what you want. If you look at anybody who excels at anything in life, they've, again, some people are naturally gifted in certain areas for sure, but you take like LeBron James. It's not like LeBron doesn't work and put in the time to his diet and his recovery and his sleep and his craft every single day. So you take this talent and you mix it with this amazing work ethic over time and you get one of the all-time greats. You guys are no different. Next one, You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. This is a great book too. Jen is uh, a character for sure. And uh, obviously if the title of your book is You're a Badass, she's going to kick it to you real. And there's a lot of real good truths in there. I think you can apply to a lot of areas of your life. So I do like that. Next one, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. This one as well is about you obviously taking a leap in your life. It's a great personal development book about making decisions and uh, you know when to take the proverbial jump, if you will. Next one, The Compound Effect, Darren Hardy. Uh, again, if you guys are you know familiar with compound interest, which if you listen to me, you for surely know what that is at this point. It's just about how the, you know, the daily efforts um, and actions you have compound over time to create a pretty amazing life, whether that be in your career, your relationship, or your finances, or your physical body. But uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, easy read and uh, nice to follow. Next one, Take the Stairs uh, by Rory Vaden. Uh, again, along the same lines, The Compound Effect, kind of that, you know, take the stairs mentality to reaching your goals, not always taking the easy way out. Next one, Natural Born Heroes, Christopher McDougall. Now, this is an interesting read. This is the long book for sure. Uh, they're going way back in the day, like, you know, we're talking like the Nazi days, um, of them, like trying to invade, you know, crate, uh, you're talking like the Greek islands. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a history book, but it talks about perseverance and people banding together and just different scenarios, uh, in life as well. I'll let you guys dig into it if you choose to, but natural born heroes by Christopher McDougall is a, is a good read. It's long, but, uh, it's good. Next one. If you're talking business stuff, uh, People by You uh, by Jeb Blunt. This is an old book, and uh, this is one that's kind of shaped how I do things more so than a lot of other probably tactical books and things along the way. And the title kind of explains it all. People by You, and I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, "Yep, that's right. It, it made sense. It's true." Now, there's certain products I resonate with for sure because they make my life easier, like Uber. Like, I don't give a shit who my Uber driver is. I just, I want the service. But for a lot of other things in my life, I buy the person. Now, they can't suck at the service. They can't suck at their craft and be a horrible technician of what they're doing. But people buy you, and they buy you every single day by the decisions they make. If they choose to be friends with you, if they choose to work with you, if they choose to hang out with you, like it, it is everything we do is us as people. That's why I try to make everything relationship-based and not transactional-based, and I just figure if I'm the best person I can be, and I show up and I work hard and I try to do right by people, uh, things are going to work out for me. And this is a book that goes into great detail about that. So People Buy You by Jeb Blunt.
In terms of finances, um, a lot of you guys have asked me that again. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just a dude who was once completely dead broke with a negative net worth, and now here I sit today. And really basic stuff. I'm not a get-rich-quick person. I'm not a person who takes huge risks, even though you know some people from the outside probably think that way. Having already described from you quitting my corporate job with no money and no clients, no resources, and no educations, maybe... Maybe I am the guy who takes big risks uh, and does stupid stuff. But when I make decisions with money, I always ask myself, you know, if the world went to black, would I be able to survive and make it out of this? And would my, you know, family be okay? And would I be okay? And if the answer is no, then I typically don't do that financial decision. So if someone came to me and said, hey, Jeremy, will you invest in this thing for, you know, fill in the blank, $150,000? And if I knew me giving him one hundred fifty k would, you know, cripple my family financially or bankrupt me or do something, you know, negative, I wouldn't do the deal, right? Like, so when I look at certain things, I look at it from a standpoint of like, I'm willing to invest this money in this, but if I lose it, is everything going to be okay? And if the answer is yeah, then I tend to do the deal if I've done the diligent research on the front end. So I'm a very basic person. I'm not a huge believer in debt. Obviously, if you guys listen to me, you know that. I don't want to owe anybody anything. That's why we paid our house off as quick as we did so I could live without the burden of that in my life, having to you know, make payments to the bank and deal with it so it's just mine. I don't got to stress about it. I'm also a believer in real estate. If you can pay for it in cash or if you can obviously you know, get a super smoking deal on it and it's not going to hurt you if you have to make payments if you're doing rental properties and nobody can rent them. And then over time, those things can cash flow and make you money. I'm a huge fan of that. I'm a huge fan of the stock market. Mutual funds, S&P, if you qualify for a Roth IRA or the traditionals or any kind of 401k profit sharing set plan you have at your job or if you're self-employed, I believe if you believe in America, you put your money in the stock market and you're going to make money over time. Uh, It's essentially, I don't want to say passive income because I don't really believe in that term, but it is a thing where if you set your money somewhere and it gets you 6 to 10% over the course of you know, I don't know, the next 30 years, you're probably going to be a millionaire. And if the percentages work in your favor, if you have money in a 401k or an IRA, and your money, you know, doubles every seven years, give or take the, you know, interest it pays you, you're going to be doing all right over time. So I'm a big believer of being conservative, but being smart with your money and, and taking, you know, reluctant and calculated risks. And so the books that I grew up on, uh, The Total Money Makeover, obviously by Dave Ramsey. If you guys don't know Dave, he's, you know, he's the debt-free king. Uh, big part of why we decided to get out of debt is because I believe in a lot of the stuff he says, maybe not everything. I don't have to agree with him on it, but uh, it's very common sense things that your grandma or grandpa would tell you. So The Total Money Makeover is a basic book. It walks you guys through the baby steps of how to pay off your debt and how to you know invest for your future and retirement, and how to make decisions and purchases. It's super basic, but it is helpful. If you're financially illiterate and you don't know anything, I would urge you to pick it up sooner than later and give it a read. You probably finish it in one or two nights. And uh, if you can talk your husband or wife into it, it can change the scope of your life financially. Next one, The Millionaire Next Door uh, by Thomas J. Stanley. I read probably seven or eight years ago. And uh, the newer version is Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan, which is Chris is part of uh, the Dave Ramsey team. But The Millionaire Next Door is an old book. Some of the stuff, you know, probably not as applicable today. It is, but in terms of like when they give examples, right? Um, Like the example one of them they give is like this couple who bought, you know, they each bought a pack of cigarettes every single day for like 30 years. And if they just would have took that same money and invested into a retirement account, they both would have been millionaires, but they didn't. And they bought cigarettes instead. And so not only are you killing yourself because you're smoking cigarettes like an idiot, but now you have no fucking money. And that's, again, that's not for everybody, but the millionaire next door is for the person who's like, who's like me. The per- if you grew up like I did at all, if you grew up with a family with no money and no resources and they didn't really know anything about finance and stuff and, and no one in your family was able to become a millionaire, nobody in your family had an excess of wealth, if you were to listen to that book and take some of those principles and apply them, you could easily be the first millionaire in your family. And it kind of walks you through like what a millionaire looks like, just like the Everyday Millionaires book by Chris Hogan. They did the biggest independent study on millionaires in North America, I believe. I think they pulled 10,000 millionaires. And they ask them like very basic questions like, hey, you know, 
what are the, you know, how did you get your money? Did you inherit it? And I think like 97% didn't inherit a cent. They worked for their money, regardless of what people believe. I think a lot of people think, oh, so-and-so is a millionaire. They inherit it from their rich parents. That, that wasn't the case for me or, or my wife, either of us. We, everything we've earned, we've done it ourselves. And that's a lot of people out there. But how did they do it? Well, they lived in homes that were modest, like the homes probably in your neighborhood. They're probably your next door neighbor. They're i.e. a guy like me who lives next to you but doesn't have a house payment. They probably also drive an older car. Like when you look at like the number one car millionaires drive, I believe it was a Toyota Camry or like a Toyota brand car and it was used. It wasn't bought brand new, i.e. Honda Accord, things like that. So it gives you to me when I read it years ago and I didn't have any money in anything, it gave me hope that I could one day become a millionaire. I could one day become debt-free. I one day could become financially independent if I was just smart with my money early on and invested and did things that paid me interest and didn't pay out interest. And so those are two really good books. The other one I would say um, that'll give you a little bit of a different point of view is there is uh, Money Master of the Game by Tony Robbins. Uh, Again, I don't agree with everything in the book. And anytime you listen to anything, everybody has an agenda, always. Like it just is like they, whether it's buying their product or services or pushing you to believe what they believe, um, or they're just sharing their information, which does have some bias because it's coming from them. But money master of the game by Tony Robbins is a super long read. Again, I don't agree with every single thing he says in there. He's a billionaire. I am not. So he can probably tell me to go fuck myself. Uh, if he doesn't like what I'm saying here, but it is a good book. It's a good listen. I, I say that because there's a lot of stories in there. And they do a lot. He does a lot of interviews, you know, from guys like, you know, to T Boone Pickens, rest in his peace, you know, on down to a lot of the most successful investors and some of the most financially successful people who have ever lived. And it, the, the two things that stuck out for me from there, one is they asked each person there, each person they interviewed, you know, these are billionaires, right? So people have billions of dollars. So, and hopefully you understand when I say this, if you have a billion dollars, you have more than $999 million. Like you have a billion dollars. These guys are multi-billionaires, right? And they asked each one of them, how much is enough? And how much do you need to feel safe? And all of them, it's never enough. That number always shifts and change with them. It always goes up. That's the crazy thing. So anybody listening out there thinks if I just had $100,000, if I just had 500K, if I just had 750, if I just had a million dollars, then I'd feel rich and safe and secure. No, you won't. That is something internally with you. That's not something money can give you and do. You can feel a certain security of a certain amount of money, but it's never absolute if you're that person already. And if you listen to this book, that's what you'll take away from it. Also, it talks about fees of your investment accounts and retirement accounts, just so we're clear. Anybody listening, if you have an IRA, a 401k, a SEP, whatever it is, there's fees with it. It's not free. Like you're paying program fees, you're paying a fiduciary fee, you're paying a a flat 1% fee, or you're paying fees for the trading, whatever it is, it is not free. So just know when you have an advisor or a brokerage house or whoever you're working or has your money, they're not holding it completely for free. They're taking either a flat percentage or they're taking little rips off it as you go. So just be clear that does dig into your overall uh, savings and money over time. So knowing the fees where you go is kind of crucial. But those are great, uh, you know, it's little money books and reads, very common sense based things. It's not going to, you know, show you how to go day trade and do a bunch of crazy stuff, which I don't think you're equipped for anyway, because you're competing with people who are far better and know far more things and can lose way more money than you can lose. But if you're talking about, you know, kind of grandma's basic money advice, those are ones that are going to give you a nice, you know, well-rounded picture of, you know, what you can do with your money over time and and how to best, you know, kind of save it, spend it, you know, give it and, uh, you know, invest it, I guess. Last couple books here on the list for let you guys go. Love yourself, live your life. Kamal Ravkint. Um, Love Yourself, Live Your Life, Kamal Rafkint. Uh, listen to an Audible. His voice is a little bit uh, different, but it's a good book. Just talking about self-love and, and how we speak to ourselves and the, and the language you use and how we talk to ourselves every single day. I think you guys can get a lot out of that. Next one, 15 Laws of Growth by John C. Maxwell. John C. Maxwell has like a trillion books. A lot of them are, are really good. 
the 15 Laws of Growth, uh, I found to be educational. So I do think that's a good read if you want to pick that up. Next one, Seth Godin. Seth actually sends out a ton of emails, probably more emails than me. Seth has written a shit ton of books. The two books Seth has written that I would recommend off the top are Lynchpin. If you work for a company or organization, your goal would be to become the linchpin, the person that is indispensable, the person that if they got rid of them, the company would, I'm not saying fold like a launcher, but they would struggle to replace you because you're so awesome. Uh, and that can be for any organization, whether it be a family, a school setting, a team, or obviously a corporation. So Lynchpin by Seth Godin is a great read. And also Tribes by Seth Godin as well. And again, his emails, if you subscribe to his email list, it, they're like sometimes they're a sentence. Sometimes they're three sentences, but uh, you know, nice little nuggets to kind of kick off your day. On that note, if you guys have not subscribed to the Jeremy Scott Fitness email newsletter, hit me up. I'm happy to add you. We send out at least three emails per week, every single week, 52 weeks a year. Some weeks we do five, six, or seven emails, depending on what's going on in my brain, but that is available to you all as well. And the last two books here, let's go with, it starts with Why by Simon Sinek. He does a lot of comparison stuff of, you know, in terms of business, right? Like people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I do believe this as well. He talks a lot about branding, uh, talks about Apple a lot, um, they throw Google in there. I've applied a lot of the things to my business as well. And yeah, people buy what we do here. You know, it, it's fitness, it's coaching, it's nutrition, it's being a good person, but it's why we do it. And I think it's the passion behind it and how we identify with it as ourselves. And so if we can identify with a person in a business, we're more likely to do business with them and deal with them and talk with them and, and see things the way that they see things because they're part of our tribe, right? They're part of our group. It's like, you know, we're the misfits, if you will. And that's kind of like, that's why they do so much of the Apple stuff because Apple's kind of a, a trendsetter in the space, if you will. So, you know, you see people waiting outside for an iPhone, you know, 80 people deep at six o'clock in the morning, like, that's insane. You've never seen people wait 60 people deep outside of the, you know, Dell store for a Dell computer. Like you just have, there's certain things that we do in, in the world that kind of defy logic. Like they just don't make any sense. And that's because they're not buying just the, the iPhone. They're buying like why Apple does it and what, what it stands for inside of that. Um, and the last book we'll share here is Wizard of Ads by Roy H. Williams. This is a super old book for sure, but if you're a person out there in business and you're looking to sell or market or even their person, you're trying to get a job and you're trying to sell and market yourself and you want to understand more about that process, The Wizard of Ads by Roy H. Williams is a super old book and read and listen, but uh, it's a great one as well. So. Hope you guys enjoyed that list. Uh, again, I can't go through all the books that I have ever, you know, read and listened to over the past couple of years, but I thought that's a decent list to at least get you guys uh, started and on the right track. And again, whether you're a book person or a podcast person, it really doesn't matter. As long as you're consuming things that are adding value to your life and, you know, helping you and your family and the people around you, I think you're on the right track. And again, some people don't learn that way. I'm not a huge like looking at print and read if it's super long. If it's shorter stuff, I tend to do better like articles and blogs and things that are under probably like, you know, a couple thousand words. But the audible stuff has really changed the game for me, especially when I'm standing, you know, in line at the grocery store or if I have to go to the post office or I'm at like a doctor's appointment or I'm just literally like at the airport waiting. Anytime I can kill two birds with one stone, and, and not just be commuting and just be sitting somewhere like having to listen to the shit people are talking about around me because I don't watch the news. And I don't consume a lot of those things, but I do consume these things. And I do think it has changed the scope of who I am and how I live my life and, and how I think about stuff. And, you know, at the time when my car radio had died, I was super pissed and irritated that I couldn't, you know, listen to you know, mob deep and Jay-Z anymore on the way to work, but it really, you know, end up being the best thing for me. And that's why I say, you know, sometimes these things that seem like they're negatives in your life, they end up being a positive. And so if I didn't do that, who knows if I would have listened to, you know, 600 plus books in the past six years or so, and be able to speak to you guys today and talk to you and do the things I'm doing or have the ideas for certain programs and, or just be able to just to speak to, my friends and family or my wife the way that I do because I've heard it from somebody else and you, you beg, borrow and steal 
some of the best practices and you see if it's applicable to your life and your situation. That's what I've been able to do, especially in terms of like the finance and money, because again, all of us, we're not all born geniuses. At least I wasn't for sure. But through hard work and over time, I've acquired a certain amount of knowledge in certain areas of things and enough to be dangerous. And, you know, I'm good at what I'm good at and I can outsource what I need to outsource. But if you want to be awesome at something, if you want to learn something, model behavior and consume the information from the people who have done it before you, longer than you, and are more successful than you. And even if you suck at it, but you try to do exactly what some of the most successful people did in the field, odds are you're going to be pretty far along. Like that's what this is all about. Like us trying to improve our lives. And I do think um, auditory books and watching human behavior are probably the two best ways for us to do that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Not the most exciting podcast or the sexiest, but I know a lot of you guys asked for it. And if you've been looking for some good reads in terms of books, those would be my go-tos. And again, I'm going to try to throw them up on the Jeremy Scott Fitness blog here sooner than later. But forgive me if it doesn't happen in the next week or so. Uh, short of that, reminder, if you guys are not, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Again, all the podcasts now are on the Jeremy Scott Fitness YouTube page. I think we have over 1,000 videos now on the YouTube page in terms of podcasts, mobility, full workouts, finishers, uh, nutrition videos, recipes, uh, full Q&A series, basically anything we're doing now. 90% of it, we're filming it and we're throwing it on YouTube. So it's 100% free. Subscribe. Uh, you'll never miss a video. And if you want to see something, holler at me. And I'm happy to film it if we can. And if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Open up your podcast app. Scroll all the way down on your iPhone. Click five star. Drop us a comment under ratings and reviews. I truly would appreciate it. And if you have a friend who loves books and they want to dig into some other books, please share this podcast with them uh, to share the list with them. So hopefully they can, you know, educate themselves and maybe, you know, level up their life of a certain area they want to be a little bit better at. And obviously if you're on iTunes or your MacBook uh, or MacBook Pro and your iPad, click the iTunes icon, hit ratings and reviews, five star, comment it. I truly would appreciate it. And if there's anything else you guys want to hear, on the podcast. Please send me your request. Shoot me a message. I'm happy to record it if I can speak on it. I have a huge list already and we keep just kind of a, a little library here and slowly over time we'll get to everybody's request and uh, hopefully get your question answered. So about to jump into this most awful leg workout here and uh, get on with my night. So Thank you, guys. I appreciate all the positive feedback and the messages you guys are leaving us. It truly does mean the world to me. Um, I can't thank you enough. I know I say that all the time, and obviously I, I can't pay my bills with uh, with thank yous and your kind words, but they do mean you know more to me than just dollars in the bank. It really does. It's the auction that keeps this machine going, and I'm happy you know I can take what I've learned over the years and all my fuck ups and struggles and somehow help you, you know, just live a bit better life. And if that's what's happening, uh, I'm happy to do it. So I thank you guys and I appreciate you for everything you've done. Keep sharing the podcast and uh, we'll keep cranking out the episodes. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.